Oh, man, I love that that second kid. He's my favorite one in the whole deal, this pretty little Easter uh, Sunday deal. Um, here, here's a couple of things I want you to know. Um, Easter's a big deal um, in these parts around here. We're in the Bible Belt. Um, statistics show that 8 out of 10 people who are invited, I'm, I'm not sure. Someone said that once. I'm a pastor. I'm allowed to make up statistics, do it often, just about every sermon. Come on, you know it's true, you know. Um, but 8 out of 10 people who are invited on Easter Sunday happen to come. And here's, here's what we really believe. This, is, uh, this might come across as arrogant, but uh, we really are confident in this. We actually believe the people you invite will be loved and cared for and get to understand something incredible about Jesus so they come here next week. And so we'd love for you to, we'd love for you, love for you to invite people. There are some, some, some seats still available here. We have, we have plans for overflow and all those things. So you invite, you bring people with you. A couple of things. This, this upcoming week is going to be quite busy, okay? Um, Tuesday night, we actually launch Merge, which is a, a college gathering for, you know, uh, college age, 17 to, you know, I don't know, I think some of you are still in college and you're like 28, right? It's like year nine for you and you're like, whatever, mom and dad are paying, you know, um, you can come to, um, to this, but we're going to put you to work. We're not going to allow you to take eight hours in our courses here, okay? Um, um, but anyway, so uh, college gathering, 630 here called Merge. We would love, you don't have to be in college to do that, that age, that kind of deal. We'd love for you to come be a part of that. That's Tuesday night. Wednesday, we have midweek stuff going on here. Um, this week's a little different because we also have an additional meeting at 6 p.m. If you want to be a part of whatever we call it, connections team, guest services, connection point, I don't know what we call it. It's the people that smile and love on people as soon as they walk in, help them get parked, all that kind of stuff. So if, you have a, if you're a grumpy face in the morning, what I'm trying to explain to you is you're not supposed to be a part of that team. But if you are supposed to be a part of our team, you know, you know this, you hey, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm not sure I want you to be. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just joking. I want you to be here. It's exactly where you need to be. Um, but 6 o'clock, there's a connections meeting. Um, 6 p.m., they're, they're going to be serving food, all that kind of stuff, so come to that. At 6.30 is when student ministry starts. There's some incredible things going on. You, you've probably heard through 12. It's incredible. It is incredible what's going on. You would love, um, if you're in, in that arena of life, that era, if you're one of them teens, one of them teens, um, you should, or 12, um, you, should, um, you should come to that, 6.30. Also on Wednesday nights, there's a women's Bible study that meets here. And uh, Jared uh, Pickard, the, the elder on our staff who's smartest, he, um, whoa, there's no laughing there. That was straight seriousness. Thank you for the whoa. Jared, you got one whoa out of the deal. Um, uh, he's uh, been teaching on prayer and spending some time with some folks praying here. And so I'd love for you to come pray for this church, pray for this week. So that's all going on Tuesday and Wednesday. On Friday this week is going to be incredible. It's our Good Friday night of worship. If you, uh, We had it last year up at the auditorium, but it'll be here. It'll be uh, from 6.30 to about 8 or so. Would love, love, love for you to come worship with your family here on Friday night as we celebrate uh, Good Friday. We actually believe it's good. Like, even though Jesus is bloody and messy, the whole deal on the cross, we believe it's good because we know what it stands for. So Good Friday night of worship, 6.30. But here's actually what we'd love for you to do. We'd love for you to come at 5 or 5.30 because we are a family. This is a year of the family. We want to know everyone. We want to be in the middle of your drama. We want to fight for you. We want to hug you. We want to care for you and all those things. And since Easter is usually a time that family gets together for dinner or lunch, and we can't do that on Sunday afternoons because all of you have to go to your in-laws or whatever that looks like. Um, so uh, we decided to have a, a, a dinner on Friday at 5. So from 5 to 6.30, we'll be having a big barbecue out here. And the night of worship is free. Come worship.
worship, but we're actually charging you for the food. There's two reasons for that. One, we want to be good stewards of every penny that comes through here. The other reason is because that the proceeds, what we make off this event, will go directly to our student ministry and directly to, um, to sending them to, to camp this summer in June, the middle of June. And so 5 o'clock to 6.30, we're going to be eating here. Uh, we're, we're counting on it to be incredibly beautiful weather. If not, we have plenty of space upstairs and downstairs now, but we want you to come eat with us. If you want to be a part of that, you can buy a ticket ahead of time. We'd prefer you to do that so we can know exactly what's going on, so we can know how many people to buy for. But um, it's $7 in advance, $8 the day of. If you're completely broke and you want to come eat, let us know. We, we, we will take care of you. Just don't take advantage of our students. You know, like, so, I mean, if you can't, like, don't make money the issue for you not coming to eat with us. We'll cover it. But at the same time, if you can pay for that, which most of us can, then, um, then please, please do that. Seven, $7 in advance. You can see any, any of our Connect students, they have tickets. You can buy them from them um, anytime before, uh, by Wednesday night. If you buy them by Wednesday, uh, they're $7. If you buy them the day of, they're, they're 8 And so that's at six, uh, 5 to 6.30 on Friday. And then 6.30 is when the night of worship will start. There is child care provided for the night of worship. There won't be during dinner time. We'll all hang out and play together. But there will be child care provided for that. And then next Sunday is Easter. Um, and we anticipate that, um, that, that there will be a lot of excitement in this place next week. And we'd love, love for you to be a part of it. I know some of you are like, well, I need to go to my mama's church. No, bring your mama with you. Just bring her here and say, Mom, look how excited I am about Jesus. Just bring them here. They'll, they'll be excited to see you excited about Jesus. Um, so that, that is next week. And not, uh, as always, uh, sorry for running through so many announcements. We've got a lot of work to do in here in just a second. Um, but, um, but next week also, remember, we still serve breakfast every, every morning, every Sunday morning at 8. Again, a very inexpensive breakfast. That money goes straight to student ministry. And at 9.15, we start Sunday school. And so there's a couple different classes. There's a class on crazy love, and there's a class called the story right now, which is walking through the Bible. There's a Francis Chan crazy love, and then uh, the story, which is walking through the Bible upstairs at 9.15. And we really would love for you to be a part of it. That's 9.15 to 10, and then we start here at 10.30. So come next week. It'll be lots and lots of fun. And so that's kind of the, 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 the announcement spiel. One other thing I want you to know before we jump in is that we, when we say we want to be family, we mean that. What we mean by that is, man, if you're having a really something awesome to celebrate, we want to celebrate with you. If you're having the worst week of your life, we want to, we want to, we want to mourn with you. We, we want to pick you up and carry you. We mean that completely. Like, that is the, what we hope happens here. And I'll explain to the message why this is so important to us. But one of the battles in family, any family, is communication. And so we still are, like, trying to work through how do we best communicate to everyone. And so the, the way that we've decided is, you know, we want to write a weekly newsletter, keeps you up to date on all the stuff that's going on so, we don't, so that you always know. Um, put it on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash. Uh, almost in the middle of nowhere, I think is what it's called there. Are you going to search for Connect State Church? But I think that's backslash or forward slash almost in the middle of nowhere. No spaces. That's what it is. Um, and so uh, please, if you're on, on the Facebook, all the kids are doing it these days. Um, if you're on the Facebook, uh, make sure to uh, go like that page so you can be up to date. That's where we post what songs we've been doing and all those kind of things. Um, but at the same time, we want to be able to communicate with you via text or phone and also email. It, if we have your information or we don't, or regardless, if we, if we do, even if we do have your information, we'd like to have it again to make sure we do this appropriately. Um, we'd love for you to fill out a connection card. Those are out in the lobby. They allow us to know what we can pray for, for you and all those things. We take those real seriously. Like, so uh, if we can pray for you, if we can support you, we're family, we're in this. We want your information. We want to send you an email. We want to be able to follow up with you, all those things. But right now, you don't usually get permission for this, but right now, if you'd like to go and fill it out right this second, you can pull out, if you have a smartphone, you know, one of those little intelligent ones with the 
face on the front. That's a screen. Um, you can go to connectcitychurch.com right now. And the very top option actually is the Connect card. And you can fill it out during the middle of the service at any time. You can just fill it out in a matter of seconds. There'll be some iPads out front that you can do it that way. Or you can actually go old school, analog, and just write it all out. Okay, whatever that looks like for you. We're here to, we're here to serve you in those ways. And so um, I would love, love to do that. would love for you to keep us up to date on how we can pray for you. Um, like I said, our staff takes that very seriously. It'll be the first thing we cover tomorrow morning, and that's what they, we do on Wednesday nights. And so please, please give us the opportunity to do that. And so that's um, all, all, all i got to cover there. Connect City Church, Connect Card, there you go. That's fun. So we got work to do. Um, let, me, let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into a lot of Scripture. Oh, Jesus. Um, man, I love these folks. Like, ah. I love them, God. I love what you're doing here. And I love the new stories I get to be a part of every week. God, I love that we get to fight for our folks. I love that we get to pick them up when they fall. And God, it just seems right. It seems like the the very reason why you'd put a church together. And so, Jesus, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And God, you said, Jesus, you promised that you would build your church. And so we get to be witnesses of your work right now. And I, I really am thankful for it. God, while at the same time, Lord, you say that um, whenever your word's presented, it lands and does exactly what you, you would have it to do. You remind us that in Isaiah, God. And so, um, Lord, I just pray that your word is delivered here and it's only your words. God, anything that I say out of turn or that's in a, that just um, is, is incorrect, God, would you strike it from the record? Strike me mute, God, if necessary, or strike me dead. And would your words be presented, God, for the folks here who are, who are cynical, um, Jesus, would you speak? Uh, God, I don't feel the pressure to convince anyone of anything, but I have the desire to see folks in this place come fully alive because they met their Savior. And so, Jesus, would that happen in this place this morning? God, as we wrap up your story in the Gospel of John, Lord, it's, it's your day. As John, as John quoted John the Baptist in the early parts of the Gospel of John, he said, I, would, would you increase and I decrease? And, God, that's my prayer. God, would I decrease in these moments and you increase? And I... Um, I pray these things and, um, in your name, Jesus. Amen. So uh, that's all the announcements. We're going to be in John chapter 20 today. This actually wraps up the gospel. Two weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 21. And this will be the, the end of John chapter 20. Next week, we'll start the book of Acts. It'll be lots of fun. A-C-T-S, not A-X. I wish it were A-X. It'd be a really awesome book if it was called Acts, you know. Um, but anyway, so we're going to wrap it up today. But a couple of weeks ago, when we, when we were talking about John 21, there's a couple of, of things I needed to teach you guys or help you understand. And this is just to revisit it, just in case, okay? One is like we, we talk about doctrine, okay? Doctrine is not a scary word. It may seem weird because, like, oh, there he's going to start, start using these words, and I'm going to get bored, and it's going to be dumb. But no, doctrine just simply means a set of beliefs you operate under, okay? For example, one that I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago is you um, uh, don't, don't eat yellow snow, Right? Really simple one. You don't do that. Okay, that's a, that's just a principle we live by. We know that yellow snow probably means someone peed in the snow and it's not going to be very tasty. You're like, but I like banana flavored ice cream. That's not what it is. Okay, that just is a doctrine. You know, don't don't eat yellow snow. You know, don't spit into the wind. Some of those things. You know, don't drive on the left side of the road. I mean, just some things. Unless you're in Europe and in the UK somewhere or whatever that is. You know, don't drive on the left side of the road. Those are just principles we live by. So some doctrine that we that we operate under based on God's word and Jesus are these, okay? One of them is the doctrine that we studied a couple weeks ago of sovereignty, okay? Here's what that means. Jesus is all-powerful, and he bends things to his direction every time he wants to. 
if things are messy, Jesus can work them out. Jesus is always in the process of bending things to make them happen in the way that he sees fit. Okay? We try to operate with it that we have power, we lie, we try to manipulate, but we don't have that power. God has that power. Sovereignty is literally saying, even though you're here, I can make this work out together for my good, for those I've called according to my purpose. Yeah, in fact, in Genesis 50, 19, um, Joseph is with his brothers and they're saying, hey, we're so sorry we did evil to you. And he said, hey, hey, what you meant for evil... God intended for good. In other words, God's sovereignty was already at play here. So sovereignty is just, a, the doctrine of sovereignty says we believe that God is all-powerful and he is always working things out for his good, right? I mean, he takes any situation and bends them exactly the way he sees fit. That's what the doctrine of sovereignty is. Um, another one that we talked about was a, the doctrine of foreknowledge, which basically means time only exists for us. Jesus steps completely outside of time. Time was created when death was created, okay? So there's a beginning and an end. Jesus is outside of that. So therefore, he's in the future and the past and the present all at the same time. If you read Isaiah 53, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities, past tense, right? And then it says, by his stripes, we are healed, present tense. So God, in his foreknowledge, steps outside of time, which means when God can work everything out in the details he wants, and God knows everything, is seeing everything, is in the, like, has absolute foreknowledge about the future, then that means God can pretty much do whatever he wants. That's called the doctrine of providence. Okay, providence is God sees everything and God is working everything. Those are some pretty important things that we discovered a few weeks ago. Jesus' death proves that he, had, that, that he had sovereignty, that he had power, and that he had foreknowledge, and that he was providential, that in the middle of messiness, we talked about last week, the cross only makes sense if you view it through faith. It shows God's anger and jealousy and wrath and love and grace and mercy and power all at the same time in the middle of those moments, and those are some important things that just help us operate with our faith. Well, there's one other doctrine we're going to cover today, and um, it, it's not quite as exciting, just to be honest with you. Um, not quite as sexy in the deal. I mean, it's, a, it's the rough one in terms of the church world, and it's this, the doctrine of suffering. The question isn't, will I suffer? The question's really like this. It's when will I suffer? For how long? How bad? And will I die? That's really the questions we're asking. It's not, will I suffer? Because the truth is what we live in a falling world. And the doctrine of suffering says, because we live in a falling world, we're going to, we're going to suffer. Jesus says um, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, he says the wise man is the one who built his house on the rock. When, not if, when the rains come, he'll stand firm, right? And so this idea of suffering that, hey, if you, you, our goal is just to avoid it completely is just something that ju- just doesn't happen. And so just for a while, this is actually really good for us. We're going to figure out what Jesus does through suffering, what Jesus does in us. And for hopefully what we'll see in, the, in this text, in this context of this morning, you'll discover that there are actually some pretty incredible things that happen in the middle of it. Yes, there will be pain. Yes, there will be sorrow. Yes, there will be messy parts of our life. But in the end, it's good and it's worthwhile. Yeah, um, there is that, that moment in... Um, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, which I don't watch because I don't understand all that fiction. They're talking animals, you know, that, that doesn't happen in real life. Give me something that can really happen in life, but it's all about Jesus. That's great it's all about Jesus. Well, show me Jesus, not Aslan, right? Um, but there's this moment in there where Mr. Beaver is talking to someone and Lucy says, Mr. Beaver is Aslan, who's supposed to be God in this deal, right? Is he, is he, not, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver kind of laughs and says, no, there's no way he's safe, but he's good. And the doctrine of suffering is really that picture. Man, yes, this is not a safe life. All of you have experienced moments of that this week, right? I was in my basement for an hour this week while 50 or 60 trees are just being pummeled over my yard, right? I mean, that's what's happened. We were very lucky in the deal. But it wasn't safe, right? But God 
was still good. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to be in John chapter 20. I'm just going to read you the whole chapter. It'll be fun. I'll try to use my nice reading voice and um, my James Earl Jones voice right here. John chapter 20. It'll be up here on the screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, great news. We have plenty of them out there we'd love to give you. Um, and so there's some Bibles. When you head on out, they will be um, there. Grab one, take it home with you. Um, it'll be, be, be really great. But it's also going to be above my head right here. Here it goes. It's going to walk through the whole thing. This is right after Jesus' death. Now, on the first day of the week, so Jesus died and been put in the tomb, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the tomb had been, tomb had been taken away, or the uh, stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. I love that. This is the guy, John, again, who's writing this. Every time he refers to himself, he's like the one who Jesus loved, right? Oh, I love this guy. I could so understand why he'd write that. The one who Jesus liked the most, Jesus' favorite, the one who is BFF, you know, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. So understand, Jesus has been put in a tomb. All of a sudden, he's disappeared. And the disciples and Mary, she's dramatic in the deal, are all angry. They're like, where is Jesus? Like, come on, you already killed him. Why are you now hiding his body? That's what they're thinking, right? Um, So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. That's so important. John, John always takes a stab at Peter. You know what I'm saying? Because Peter had thunder thighs. That's what he's saying right here. You get that? I love this. Like Peter gets so many shots by the little, like the little boy wonder. You know, John's like, I need to add this. Peter gets outran, you know. Uh, some of you are runners, and that matters to you. I don't really understand running. I, you can call it a sport. That's fine. I mean, I understand. I don't, understand. I don't see any point in running unless something's chasing you. I know that some of you do it for other reasons. Um, verse 5. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. You see that? He's like, I'll go in, whatever. Um, he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. These things, things are all folded nicely. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So someone showed up and said, oh my goodness, he's risen from the dead. And they're all saying, oh gosh, he's stolen. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and she wept. As she wept, she stood, stooped to look in the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Again, that term woman is an affectionate term. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they've laid him. So she's just distraught. Look, you already killed him. You only taken his body, and she is just weeping, right? Verse 14, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So verse 15, it's like, no, no, look, if you've, if you've taken him away... I'll go get him. Just please tell me. Like, just tell me. You know, she's still sobbing. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to, to my God and your God. Especially what he's saying is, hey, here's the Mary, it's me. And so he asked her, he shows up and he says, why are you? talked about last week in terms of the picture of the cross it's like well we see this gruesome deal and we think that somehow we're supposed to manipulate your emotions that you're supposed to but it actually is the middle of this that jesus is saying no 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 no. 
They said, why are you weeping? Don't, don't cry about my grave. Celebrate the fact that I'm alive. So he shows up to Mary. He's like, hey, hey, hey. I know that you just saw some really emotionally damaging things two nights ago. I know that, Mary. Like, I know that on Friday you saw some similar things. But here's the deal. Why are you weeping? There's good news ahead. And so then he tells her what to do, right? And so, uh, that's for, and so uh, Mary Magdalene went and announced, um, verse 18, to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things to her. On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were fear, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace! Be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Which is so funny. I was teaching this to our our staff on Monday. And I said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You get it? Because he was breathing and chewing. Anyway, it probably wasn't that funny. It was funny to me in that moment. Receive the Holy Spirit. You know, like, it's like a Wrigley's commercial. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Verse 24, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the hands, uh, the, mark, the, hands the, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place them aside. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Verse 28, Thomas answered, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. No, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So Jesus did many more signs and wonders that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, we've been um, on, in this series now for, I don't know, uh, 35, 40 weeks. We've just been walking through the Gospel of John. But there's basically one term that stands out in every chapter that continues to come up over and over again. And this one comes up like 12 times. And it's this word believe. And at the end of it, at John, the end of John chapter 20, John, the, 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 the disciple who Jesus loved, was very, very clear about why he wrote this book, right? Not only are we trying to wrap up John chapter 20 today, we're trying to wrap up this whole deal. Why have we read this whole book from the beginning where it says, and the word came flesh and dwelt among us all the way through John chapter 3 which says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life right and so he goes all the way through all um, uh, all the way through the whole deal talks about Jesus's death Jesus or Jesus's birth Jesus's ministry Jesus's miracles Jesus's death Jesus's burial Jesus's resurrection at the end of it he finally says this look if I'm not have not been clear already here's only the only reason one reason why I've written this entire book Remember, this is John, John who uh, was very, um, very Jewish, understood Jewish culture, but also was very, um, very educated and connected to the Greek world. So John has written this both to, to people who knew, or knew God and were religious and irreligious people that grew up in like the Hellenistic Greek culture, right? And so John's writing to both of them 
saying, look, I have one goal. If you're religious, if you're not religious, this is the first time you heard about it, or if you heard, or you saw Jesus in person, there's only one reason I am writing this entire thing. Lots of thousands and thousands of words, one reason. I write this so that you may believe. The whole goal, whole goal. 21 chapters of, of, of a, 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 a gospel. Whole story of Jesus' life. Trying to figure out, what do I add, Jesus? What do I not put in here? And every single one of them will run through the filter of the Holy Spirit and John saying, I'm writing these things so that people will believe, will believe in Jesus so that they may have life. One goal, to believe. That's the only goal. We've been working through 35 weeks for one agenda. John's agenda from God is that you can, so that you'd believe. In Jesus. And I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, um, that's pretty simple, right? I mean, most of us say we believe in God. I understand you believe in God, but you believe in Jesus, knew he said he was and what he did, right? I mean, there is a whole other side. And most of us in this room, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to have you stand up and we're not going to, we're not going to draw lines and divide sides and say, okay, this is this side over here. They like Jesus or whatever it is. Well, I've seen this person, you know, uh, they, they, they definitely can, or they definitely do, or they have their shirt tucked in, so they must, or, or whatever that is, right? Um, but the whole deal, right, is that most of us Maybe two-thirds of us in this room probably say, you know what? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. I believe he's God's son. So you're like, well, I've heard some things I'm still considering, and I'm not sure I'm there. Well, that's awesome. We're all in the same spot here, and here's why. Do you really believe? I mean, let's just be real honest, right? Do you really? like? And this isn't if you died a nail, do you know where you go? This isn't I'm going to have you bow your heads at the end and say, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know? We're going to open up the door, sing some more hymns, sing some more verses. Do you know that you... This is, this is, not, the, this is not a scare tactic at all. Okay? There's no fear and no scare tactic in this deal. But I, I, honestly, I think it's irrelevant to the, to the conversation. But do you really believe because I've, I've, I've been working through this. I was working through this with our staff on Monday. Because if I really believed, right? Like always, like in that walk in the faith of who Jesus was, right? If I fully believed what John said about him in John chapter 1 through 21, if I fully believed that, right? Would I spend money the way that I do? Would I have the anxieties that I have? Would I lie about the things I lie about? Would I hide the things I hide? If I fully believed all the time that Jesus was God who died on the cross, went to the grave, and paved the way for us to go back to him, right? Through believing in Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, I am okay. I am reconnected to God. My value is found in him, and he has given me life, right? If I fully believe that, if we fully believe that, right? Don't you think some things about even this past week would look a little bit different? Don't you think how you would have itemized your taxes over the last couple of weeks would have looked a little different, right? I'm, I'm not, this is not throwing stones. This is just asking the real legitimate question that I don't have a good answer for. I mean, I think I believe. But at least one night this week, I was completely broken and thinking, God, I don't even know that you're real or loving, right? I mean, I, I'm pretty certain you are, but I had this conversation all the time. God, I'm pretty certain you're there. But if you're not, I'm in really big trouble. If you're not, then I've given my whole life, my whole income, everything I got to the furthering of your kingdom is I believe you're real. But even in the middle of believing you're real and understanding your word, I still struggle. And here's what I've discovered. I struggle when things get rough. I struggle when my marriage has fights in it. I struggle when finances are really tight, right? 
Right? I mean, isn't that kind of the truth for us? We struggle when our boss is really a pain. We struggle in the middle of the night when we lay down and wonder if we did anything worthwhile today. Right? I mean, all of us have that battle. Every single one of us. And then all the, the enemy wants to tell you, see, you don't really believe in God. Because if you did, right? I mean, that's a, the whole point of the deal. Satan doesn't need to destroy you. He just needs to distract you. So in the middle of those moments when he's distracted, you're like, ah, oh, do I really, really believe? And it always happens for me, exactly what we said earlier, when the rains come. When I fight with our spouse, my spouse or your spouse. I don't typically fight with your spouse. Uh, I don't know that I have. Maybe a couple of your spouses I've fought with. If you're a girl and you're married to one of our elders, then yes, I fought, I fought with your spouse for sure. Um, but, you know, when, I, when those moments happen, it's like, ah, oh, like, God, I believe you're real, but let me go into the least control in the things that I can control, right? We all move to that place where we control it is. And we're in the middle of this battle, in the middle of this heartache, and there we go when you think we cling to Jesus the most because we believe in him, Right? We actually turn our backs on him the hardest, right? And this is actually a pretty good conversation for those of you who aren't sure about Jesus. Because you're not sure about Jesus for a couple of reasons. One, it's hard for you to rationalize that God would come to earth and die on the cross. I get that. It is beyond our capacity to understand that kind of love, right? I told you all last week, there's no way I'd die. I would allow my son to die for you. Just wouldn't do it. Like Briggs more than I like y'all. I just do. I mean, I like y'all, but I love my kid. I mean, I love y'all, but I love my kid, right? Like it, so some of it's that hangup. But the other hangup is this well, what's really different about me believing in Jesus than you who say that you do? Because when things get tough or things get difficult, you go and chase after the same things that I do. You just don't talk about it. In other words, I talk to people in the liquor store, but when you go, you keep your head down. Right? I mean, that's really the battle. And it's like, so if that's the case, if that's the struggle, if that's the tension, that's where you are. You're like, well, what's really the difference anyway? You cuss and you lie and you cheat on your taxes. I've seen the way you've treated your spouse, right? There's no way that really believing in Jesus really does something that different. So we're all there. So which is a really good conversation. So the question isn't how do we believe in Jesus? The question is how do we continue to believe in Jesus? Right? The question is how do I get, convince you to pray some prayer and say, if you'll pray this prayer, everything will be happy. Because guess what? A lot, most of us have prayed that prayer and guess what? Things aren't always happy. You still got a bad kid. You still got debt. You still are wondering if you should file bankruptcy. You're still struggling, right? So the question isn't can I just give you Jesus, you pray a prayer and everything's good. Because most of us are already really roughed up by that because you feel like there's some kind of bait and switch. Well, just pray this prayer, and then Jesus will give you puppies and rainbows. Then all of a sudden, when you didn't get puppies and rainbows, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Luckily, even though we all feel attention, there actually is an answer. And I mean this. I find great relief in this answer. And I find it actually in a different part of the scriptures. But it's also another letter that John decided to write. So John writes another letter. It's called First John. It's kind of funny. He doesn't write it to the people he's writing. He's like, I didn't even get, get, need to get my name on here. Remember, it should have been like the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, part two, you know, or whatever it is. But in John, First John, chapter 5, um, and the, uh, we're going to be in verse 13 for a brief second. But John is writing to people who now believe in Jesus. And he's like, look. You're supposed to have peace. Yes, there'll be trouble, but you'll have peace. And he keeps using the word peace and trouble and the word overcome over and over again. Like in these first 12 verses, he's talking to these people, believers in Jesus now, people who have like, who may not have been before, but have made that decision, right? And he writes this verse and he says, I, and he explains these things about having peace and that, that, that God has overcome our battles and that we can have joy in life is what it says in those first 12 verses, right? And then in verse 13, he says this. 
Verse 13, again, John clarifies why he wrote this book too, which I appreciate. You know, here's the, here's the thesis. You know, here's, here's the one statement that matters. This is the reason he wrote the essay right here. First uh, uh, John chapter 5, verse 13, here's what it says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So I write you these things to those. I'm writing this to you. I'm reminding you that there's peace. I'm reminding you that there's joy. I'm reminding you that God overcame this. So to those of you who already believe this in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So here's what he's saying. Okay, I'm writing all these things, and the reason I'm writing them is I need to remind you, if you believe in God, that you have eternal life. In other words, look, I'm not telling you it's going to be puppies and rainbows. I'm not telling you it's going to be nice and simple. What I'm telling you is, is you can bank on one thing. You can bank on an eternity with your Savior. You know, we were just singing that song. And I, I've sang it a hundred times, you know, the, 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 the for the honor. But for some reason today, like as I was singing that word forever, I guess the context of, of this material, the word forever, and I was thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm singing something that's truthful. Forever, I get to stand before God. And I'm not talking about in a robe, singing in some choir loft, because that just sounds really creepy to me, you know? But like, I'm talking about, like, forever I'll be with God. Like, Briggs and I were, uh, and Julie were driving down here yesterday to just kind of check on the space, get it ready for today, and uh, get Sunday school classes ready, or, or whatever we were doing. And we we're having a conversation about heaven, right? Actually, it came, it started about funerals, because uh, we were sharing that Jared was in a, a, at a funeral yesterday. And he's like, what's a, what's a funeral? Like that, that's what he said. And it took us a while to understand what he's saying, but he's saying funeral. And we were saying, and um, it was a rough conversation. Um, and and he, uh, Drew and Amy, you'll appreciate this, but it's sad, actually. Um, uh, he, uh, he was saying, so, and it's like, that's where you go, like, when your friends die, to celebrate them, to celebrate their life, or if you have a friend whose family member died, like, you go, because, in, and we were saying, you know, in, in our worldview, in the Christian worldview, we actually celebrate the fact that they were with Jesus. So he was like, so when Malachi dies, that's Drew and Amy's kid, who's the same age, I'll go to his funeral, and we're like, well, hopefully we're not having any of those conversations with the two of you for a really long time, but one of you will, yeah, probably go to the other's funeral, you know, at some point in the deal. He's like, but it's okay because we'll be in heaven together, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And so we have this conversation, and then he starts asking about, what's heaven like, you know? Is there dogs there? I'm like, yeah, is there cats? Absolutely not, because, you know, (laughs) because, glory, amen, right now, yeah. It is, you know. <laughs> like, so we're asking these questions. It's like, buddy, I can't even explain to you how good heaven's going to be, but I promise it's good and it's better than a church service. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like, oh gosh, if it's just lots of church services and I don't really want to go there. No, it's good. In fact, uh, Jesus said he's going to come back and he's going to make this earth what it's supposed to be, which means we'll still have golf courses, there'll still be basketball courts be like with healthy knees, you know, and healthy elbows, and a lot of really great people who want to honor Jesus, and like, and the Bible says that there'll be a day where there will be no more pain, and no more sorrow, and no more tears, like there, there comes a day of that, and so what Paul, I mean, what John is writing to is saying, look, I need you to believe this, I need you to understand that you have eternal life, in other words, yes, there's going to be bad days, we all know that. You're living them right now, right? Some of you are in a lot of pain, and I am really sorry. And one of the worst things that we've said is, well, if you pray enough, your health will get better. If you pray enough, you won't be in any more pain. That's just not true. Can't find it anywhere in Scripture. So your faith has just been broken. Because you're like, if I just pray one, this prayer over and over again, eventually God will heal me of the sickness. Paul actually talks about in Philippians that he has a thorn in his flesh that he will never, ever, ever be able to shake. Never, ever build a shake, right? I mean, there is suffering. He has suffering, and he's in suffering at times in his life, and there are times that we're there. 
The problem is in those times we think, we've been told that if we mess up, it's that karma idea that bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people. So if something bad happens to me, it must be because I'm bad. And the truth is, bad things happen to bad people. There's no such thing as bad things happen to good people other than once, and that was Jesus on the cross, and he volunteered for it. Every other time, we're all broken, messy people, and because of that, they're suffering. And so what John is saying here is, look, your faith gets shaken. Your faith gets wrestled. Your faith gets messy. But I write these things to you so that for those of you who believe, you will remember that there is eternal life. Remember, there's a reward for this. You know, I was reading this past, uh, two, uh, last week, there's a, an incredible family. They, they came to Connect Room a couple of times to help get some mission stuff started in Guatemala, I believe. They gone there as a husband and wife, and they had um, three or four kids, and um, then they adopted three or four more. They ended up having seven total. A couple of the adopted ones were, were special needs kids, like an incredible family. Like, love Jesus a lot more than I probably ever will kind of deal. You know, like, I mean, just their kids. Like, it was incredible. They were doing some stuff in, in I think, Guatemala. And then they're in Dominican Republic and helping with orphanages. And, like, literally gave their lives to Jesus. Their family, the whole family did it. And um, they got some kind of uh, mosquito bite that got them sick. And it wasn't typically the kind of thing that would kill them. But the dad and son and mom all caught it. The dad and the son made it. The mom didn't. It's actually, if you go to RomeNewsTribune.com or RN-T, it's actually the most read story of the last couple of weeks. And the top of it says, to say the, 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 the dad who's being interviewed, right, like one of the, the news affiliates in Atlanta, saying to say our faith hasn't been shaken is not true. But he said this, he said, but it hasn't been broken. In other words, look, look, look I'm, this hasn't made me stop believing it hasn't, it hasn't made that happen because I understand there's a better picture. I understand that right now, right now my, my wife sits at the feet of Jesus. I understand that like there's a better outcome than this. And so the, 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 the perspective isn't that you won't have trouble. The perspective is you will have trouble. But the good news is that you don't need to focus on the trouble. You need to focus on the bigger picture. Just because we can't see the bigger picture doesn't mean it's not there and doesn't mean it's not good. And this is how John says it in John chapter 16. Very clear. Like if I, if I could define what John wants to know, it was believing in Jesus. That's the reason we've been doing this for the last 35 weeks. If I could find a principle, like an understanding in the whole text of the gospel of John that I believe John wants us to know so that we'll continue to believe in Jesus. is John chapter 16, verse 33. Just one verse that Jesus says. He says this. I write these things to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I write these things to you that in me... You may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I write these things to you so that you will have peace. Like even in the middle of your drama and your mess and your brokenness, in the middle of your poor decisions, you can still have peace. You will have tribulation. The doctrine of suffering is this. You will have tribulation. You'll have pain. You'll have sorrow. You'll experience death. But Jesus doesn't conclude there. He says, but take heart. That word means, but be of good courage. In other words, this world can get scary. But be courageous. 
but be of good courage because I have already overcome the world. In other words, you've got the doctrine of suffering, the idea that we struggle can only be answered by the doctrine of sovereignty and foreknowledge and providence, right? The idea that Jesus is saying, look, I already have the foreknowledge. Like, I've already bought you. Like in Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus takes all the disciples and he sends them out, right? And he's like, hey, I want you to go in pairs of two, leave your cell phones, leave your wallets, leave everything and just go. Go and tell people about me. I'm going to give you my power and go. Go tell people about me. So he sends them out in this weird tension where they're broken and they're scared. And he sends them out and they go out. And they go out and they see some incredible things happen, right? There's 72 of them. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they see incredible things happen. So there's disciples and some more. This is the second time, the second round on this deal. And they see some incredible things happen. And they come back and they're like, Jesus, you'll never believe this. Like, we saw some people possessed. Like, you know, before we've been attacked by those things, it was really scary. We saw some people possessed, like, by, by Satan, by demons, right? And we said, hey, demons, you know, back up, or whatever they said. You know, I'm sure they used a nice language since they were Christians. Um, and so they, they said, hey, you know, demons, get away. And they're like, Jesus, you'll never believe it. We own those demons. We made those demons call us daddy or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Not sure exactly how it worked. But he said, hey, 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 here's the deal. He said, look, don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice that you have the power to speak over demons. And he, and he, and he kind of changes the perspective. And he says this, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. In other words, yeah, 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 this is a good moment. Be really excited about that good moment right here. Be excited about this good moment. But I don't want you to get caught up in the roller coaster of the highs because in this moment it's good, but guess what? There'll be a bad one. In fact, all 12 of you, you're going to die. You're going to die for this, right? So don't get caught up in the moment of your excitement about this moment because there are some highs and there's some lows. Instead, get caught up in the fact that I have bought you, that your name is written in heaven, that there is nothing the enemy could do to defeat you because I have overcome the world. In this world, hey, hey, that's really a good moment, but you're going to have some tribulation. In this world, you have tribulation, but take heart. Hey, I want you to be of good courage for I've overcome the world. So what happens as we get in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our drama, and we think there's no way God could be in the middle of this. And so we bow out. We take back control of our finances and say, God, I can't trust you anymore. Take back air to say, God, I'm going to have to lie some more because the way that it's going isn't going to work. We take back control of our taxes. We take back control of our jobs because we say, hey, here's the deal. God, this isn't good, and obviously you're not doing a very good job because this picture is ugly and bleak. No, 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 no. Here's what I need you to do if you want to believe. I need you to understand this. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. In this world, you have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And this is the best picture I can give you. To me, there's like, there's two categories of things, right? There's things worth fighting for and there's things that aren't. Anything in my wife is a thing that's not worth fighting for. Yes, ma'am. I would love for you to have that. Yes, ma'am. That sounds like a great idea. I mean, there are two categories, things that are worth fighting for, things that aren't. And I already show you this picture. Right, hey, will you bring this picture up, this first picture? That ain't worth fighting for. Right? I mean, like, when I see it, I'm like, uh-uh. If that's a mess, that's not worth fighting for. That looks like, I don't know, a, a piece of wood. Do you want me to fight for a piece of wood? I'm not going to do it. Show me the next picture. Even this one, I'm like, you know, like, that's just not worth fighting for. As I see this picture, it's like, that's a silly picture. I don't have the whole picture, and that picture isn't worth fighting for. That picture isn't worth doing anything about. That picture is worth just staying back on, right? I can't see the whole picture, but I know that picture's not worth it. I'm bailing. Not worth fighting for. Will you show me the next one? That one, too. I'm not even sure what it is. But I'll tell you this. I wouldn't give my life for that. Next one. 
Still not sure what it is. But the picture is looking a little, little bit nicer. And I might consider in this day doing something about that picture because I understand there's more there. And it looks like there's people there. And those are people's arms and that might be worth fighting for, right? Next one. Garen freaking T, you all fight for them. That's Batman and Robin, but those are my kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I, I'm not trying to be all special or super dad, but I tell you, if you hurt them, I will destroy you. Like, I, I'm not tough, but I'll cheat. Like, for sure. Like, I got some fairly long arms, and, I, and when you have telephone books in your hands, they are even longer. You understand what I'm saying? Them, I'll fight for. And then when I see the whole picture, right? Will you show me the whole picture? I think, oh my goodness. It couldn't get any better than that, right? You see a little picture of a wood, and it's just like, you know, I'm bailing out on that. That... There is nothing you could do to keep me from them. There's nothing you could do that could, could have me bow out on those incredible kids. My wife made those costumes. Are they not incredible? Look at them, right? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Now, you don't have to clap for them. That's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I appreciate it. But it's like, hey, let's clap for Josh's kids. They're so pretty. Yep, she's got poop on her pants. And he has gas. And he wet his bed that night. There you go. <laughs> Just to make that right. Here's what I want you to understand. When you see a really small picture or something, right? We have a little bitty worldview. We say, God, I, I'd like to believe in you, but in this moment, I just can't see all that could be anything good, right? And then we get a little bit better glimpse of it. We're like, okay, maybe it could be good, right? Here's the deal. Just because you can't see the whole picture doesn't mean the picture's not good. Just because you can't see the whole picture, what you can count on is Jesus has overcome the world and he's made an incredible picture out of your story. In the middle of your moment, it seems really ugly and really bleak. But when you step back and see the whole picture, it's beautiful. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, hey, in this world, you have tribulation. There'll be lots of ugly spots all over your picture. But when you step back and you see the picture, I promise you it's worth fighting for. I promise you it's worth continuing to believe. I promise you it's worth taking heart, being a good courage, because I have overcome the world. So I don't know what to offer you other than this. Look, I understand that you're in pain, some of you. I understand this sounds silly to others of you. But I'll tell you this, like... I read the Gospel of John, I investigate it, I process it, and I beg the Lord to just reveal whatever he can. Here's what I know. This is it. Jesus is worth believing in. Because of his power, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his providence. Because right now in the middle of your mess, you can't see it. You just see the little bitty small bleak or the little bitty small stain on the picture. You can't step back far enough to see that it's actually good and actually worth fighting for. So here's the only offer I got for you. Be of good courage. Don't quit. Don't tap out. In this world, you have trouble. You have tribulation. But take heart. For Jesus has overcome the world. Will you bow your heads for a second? I just want to pray over you. Uh, Jesus, um, man, I don't, I don't know the stories in this room. But I know some of them are real painful. God, you have blessed me and my family beyond measure. And yet, there are parts of my story that just reek of sorrow and pain. And so, God, I just, and that's with a great family and great parents. And so, God, I know that all of us weren't given the same opportunities, weren't given us the same deck of cards. Some of us weren't even given any cards, God. And so, I have no doubt that there is a lot of pain in this room and there's a lot that's hard to be reconciled. And God, I just, man, I'm begging you in this moment to allow them to see a glimpse of the goodness of your picture. God, for them to be able to sit in the middle of this moment and think, I can't see the whole picture, but I believe it's good. And I believe it's eternal. 
and I believe it's forever and I believe it's worth staying the course. And so God, would you give us the wisdom and the discernment to know how to stay the course. God, your word says in Proverbs that the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simpleton goes on into destruction. And God, would you give us prudence in this moment to stay the course and trust you fully, not to bail out, not to pull the cord, but to trust you fully in these moments and to take heart and be of good courage because you've overcome the world. So God, we trust you in there. God, I'm begging you for supernatural courage in these moments that we can be of good heart in the middle of our mess because we know the picture of the end of the deal is good. And we know that you're working everything out to the good for those you've called according to your purpose, for those who love you. And so God, I pray that you give us the capacity to love and trust you well and trust you and trust that you are in control and that you're working out the picture for your good and for, or for our good and your glory. So God, give us the courage to take heart to believe that you've overcome the world. I believe you're going to do that, God, because I believe you're that good. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you um, would you stand with me? As some of you may know this song, but if not, I'd love for you to learn it as we sing.